Yadamine. Yushamatan. Just uh, keep your masks on if you're in the room, please, everybody. No, no offense or anything. It's nothing personal. It's the Irakov Ella Show. Season 2. With special guest, Suhel Nafer. Ev Dam. Peace. It's the Rockefeller Show. I am your brother, Narcy. You know who I am. But well, we have a special edition of the Rockefeller Show with one of my best friends, one of my homies from back in the day to this day, the one and only Suhail Nafar of them, if I can yeah, say I that, know. you know? No longer always. of them, but always of them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suhail, how you feeling, bro? I'm good, man. Good we are both jet-lagged. We are in an oh, indi yeah. undisclosed location right now yeah. across the earth. Uh, we just both landed. Yeah. Um, I'm on California time. So You're on California time. I'm on Montreal time. Um, I wanted to sit with you first and foremost because you're one of my favorite people. I see you several times throughout the year. Um, and we, we kind of have this like converging history in our life. We've been through a lot together. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if we were to start at the top, I think one thing I want the audience to be aware of is your history. Can you tell us a bit about... Philistine, them, and like the, the beginning of your music journey? Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm I used to be part of them, the first Palestinian hip hop group. Grew up in a city called Lid. Lid is between Yaffa and Jerusalem. Shout out Lid. Oh, yeah. Um, I started in my music journey when I was 14 years old. Mm. You know, it all started, I would say, from the MC Hammer, the Michael Jackson, and then moved a bit to <laughs> Park and Big. <laughs> to Park and Big, and then. And that's why I speak English now. It's because of this people. This is my English teachers, let's say. Mm. Um, and then, you know, being in Palestine in an early era of hip hop in, 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 in this region, and specific, specifically within Palestine, we had to learn to do everything out of nothing. And what I mean by that is literally building the stage. Mm. And I'm, when I say building the stage, it wasn't, for us, it wasn't like fighting to go on stage it was like how do we build the stage mm. and i'm talking about hammer or hammer nails, and nails literally right um and, and that also like so, so there's a, a positive thing about it and there's pros and cons about like starting something fresh and new mm. is first because you have to struggle double mm. but you learn so much shit during that time mm. uh so that's why i kind of got the skills of being animator and motion graphic design and then filmmaker and then director. You know, you, you do the same. You, you start as a musician and then you move on. It becomes, you're part of the management, you're part of social media, you're part of rollout, you're part of marketing, you're part of director. Mm -hmm. So it build, builds up uh, in, in many levels. In, uh, in many obviously, levels. you know, music reaches us through different mediums. Yeah. I think the initially music hit me through my sister, Hela. Yes. who was listening to more pop stuff like George Michael and shit like that. But then when hip-hop kind of came into our life, it started as R&B with Belt Biv DeVoe, and then it became MC Hammer, as you said, yeah. and then it became, you know, NWA, and the real shit started leaking into our life. Can you tell me, like, your earliest experience with hip-hop music? What was the first tape or CD that you got in Philistine? I was in Canada at the time, so... But in Philistine, what was the first yeah. tape that came to you? first cassette um, I for some reason I remember myself breakdancing in my Khalo's khutbe party <laughs> breakdancing to Michael Jackson bigger record I do remember that mm. I remember because there, there's like some footage of that right <laughs> um, but MC Hammer definitely was one, one of the early the stuff ones. and then you know like 
it, it was a mix, but I would say the first CD that I was that I had in my hand, original CD, not bootleg, was West Side Connection, which amazing because later on I learned that one of the producers were Frederick Palestinian. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that was yeah. like a circle after I knew later on that actually one of the first original CDs that I held in my hand was produced was, by Palestinian. Yeah, so it was fun to know. But that's, that was the first original. That's amazing. Um, when when hip hop got introduced to me, it wasn't political for me. It was it was uh, more of a vibe, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also wasn't aware of who I was. I knew where I was from, but and and I knew the connection of like war and conflict to where I was from and where I was sitting at in Canada. Mm -hmm. But I didn't make that connection in the music until later in my teens. But when you go up in a place like Lid in Palestine, you're you're immediately aware of your identity, which is crazy because you're on your own land. Not, not really. Mm. If, you, if you grew up in, in the West Bank and in Gaza, you immediately are aware. aware. But if you grew up as a Palestinian in 48 with the Israeli ID, so you're controlled yeah. by the Israeli government. So your education system is not through an education, Palestinian educational department. Mm -hmm. It goes through the Shabak, which is like the internal security service mm. of this country. So they are responsible to your education and you don't automatically grow up knowing who you are and you actually growing up hating who you are also because you lived in poverty mm. when you see the the like i would say the european jews having the european jewish israelis have better neighborhood mm. and you blame yourself right mm. so this is one and as i mentioned the education system not just by what they teach you in school but also by who they hire to be your teacher because in, in Canada you know they don't teach you the history of the indigenous exactly. in the way that I learned it later in my life so when you're in Palestine growing up and lived under the under the Israeli occupation so you learned you're a zero you learned you're nothing you learned that there was nobody here before the existence wow. of this country so you grew up with a low self-esteem and you grew up with hating who you actually are mm. and trying to avoid who you are that's that's how early early stages you know so it takes time for you to actually be like wait that's why do right. I hate myself? Mm. Why am I in poverty? Why is this? Is, why my school system say this kind of thing? Mm. And why is this education like? Why my books look this way? And then you start understand. So it takes time. Mm. Can you can you explain to the audience that might not know what a Palestinian forty eighter is? I know what it is, but yeah. so Palestine. The reason I say forty eighter is because. In 1948, when Israel occupied the land, there was around 20% uh, of us who, who, who were lucky to still be there. And we're still around 20 to 27% these days. Mm. And it's Palestinians who have Israeli ID, Israeli passport. We have that on the paper as blue ID, but we don't have it in our daily life. Like, we don't get, yeah, you don't get the, the rights of the privilege of European, Jewish, Israeli, yeah. white um, Man. Right. I, I want to get back into 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 that. I think we'll we'll circle back to Palestine. But you know, your your sibling, uh, yeah. your older sibling Tamar, who is uh, you know, I would say one of the first Arab MCs yeah. um, to ever make noise. And then shout out to Tamar. Shout I see out. you. We miss you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I remember when I watched Slingshot Hip Hop, which was directed by Jackie Jackie Salum. Jackie um, Reem Salum. Jackie Reem Salum. We we see your bedroom in that in that yeah. film, and there's the the Pac posters and and all the CDs, and your brother mm -hmm. talking about learning the lyrics. And was he the one that introduced you to the music? Because you're you're a couple of years, there's a couple of years between you. Yeah, guys, he's right? four years older. Yeah, yeah. So was he the one that pulled you into them? 
and and kept you around him, yeah. or was it a natural progression into the group with Mahmoud? Like, tell me about that formation. Both. He got into hip hop because of me, because mm. he was more Backstreet Boys. Always <laughs> hip hop. It's not a diss. It's not a diss. Hey, Tommy, you always been a pop star. Bro. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was more, I was more into the hip hop right away. So, but so we, so in terms of le- learning, love liking the culture and the hip hop culture, mm. I think it came through me. But in ter- but going to Dam and entering the Dam world, it was because of him. Mm. Uh, we lived in a really small apartment. We both shared one room, the room that you see, the bedroom that you see in Slingshot Hip Hop. So mm. our beds were next to each other, and the room was filled with papers that was Tamer was writing it. F- since he was a kid that's mm-hmm. that's i think one of the reasons that he's a really dope writer because he really worked on his his pen we worked since he was a kid on it mm. and i remember once i took those papers and i went to my parents I was like look how much he writes like and as a kid like without even thinking what, what's going to happen after and mm. my parents were like what that that's all him i was like yeah wow so so yes i got him into the hip-hop culture but he got me into the hip hop industry because mm. he's the one because I, I like the filmmaking more during that time. And I went to the studio to film him recording his first ever record. Oh, so you've always been visual. Yeah. Oh, yeah, always yeah, been visual. yeah. I went to film him and, and it was a really bad song that he, that he was recording. <laughs> it, it was called Untouchable uh, from his EP back then called Stop Selling Drugs. What year was this? 97 wow maybe that's a or long eight. Time. now that's Seven a long time ago yeah it is, it is yeah um and then i was filming him it was me it was him recording my dad was there who drove us to the studio who was driving us everywhere and then it was me i was filming him and then i was like why won't you record my hook and then i went in and i did a really terrible job but it was still better than what he did but it was bad and I remember it was like just kind of a DMX vocals type of thing, like me screaming. <laughs> I always was screaming, right? And that's how I got into it. Mm. It, it was through him. It was his lyrics, and he he was he had really strong part in lyrics. I had more the strong part of like the melodies and the visuals. Mm. Um, the rest of your history with them is pretty much documented in the film. So I'm gonna cut to uh, the trailer right now. <laughs> طلع احنا لسه فير اوف بلاك بلانيت كيف البني ادم الابيض بجرب يوقف التكاثر الاسود فهون بالبلاد هاي في فير اوف ان ارابيك نيشن The trouble has been most widespread in the West Bank where stone throwers have again been out in force despite being outgunned by the Israelis خيالي انه انا عايش كل مره بحكي عربي بيجي واحد بوليس بوقفه Arabs who live inside Israel make up nearly 20% of the population, so they pose a sizable threat. <laughs> الواحد خلص من كتب الضمار ما بقدرش يعني يحفز جوا اي احساس فاحنا ب... انا اتجهت للراب حتى اطلع اللي عندي هاي اول مره اللي راح اكون بضفه بدون ما حدا يعرف اول مره غني على المسرح اول مره وحاليا متوجهين على ايرز عشان نطلع من ايرز الضفه ان شاء الله في نقطه وراها هاي في نقطه وراها العرب ما بدنا اياهم يحكوا عشان نكون 
so yeah, I mean, coming coming out of them, I think when I met you guys, it was the mid two thousands in North America, during the f the second Intifada. Was it the first Intifada? Third? Second, second Intifada, Intifada was two thousand one. Yeah. yeah, so around around two thousand one, after the second Intifada, after nine eleven, we started all converging in North America touring. Yeah. We would meet in places like San Francisco yeah. to do. Uh, to do Nekba shows, yeah. um, and New and then we met in New York where we had that infamous Jay Z encounter where I froze when I met Jay Z in the, the street. You can't tell that story this way. It, 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 that story needs an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I will tell it briefly. But we were walking down the street with Shadia Mansour and Dam and Sundus and uh, Jackie, and we were, and I was telling Jackie. You, you had your DSLR I had camera. a DSLR. I was trying to be a cameraman at the well, time. Look at me. I'm paparazzi. And I was taking photos of dogs in the street and shit. <laughs> and then I was like, Jackie, it's crazy. Every time I come to America, I end up meeting like all my, all my idols. And I, I imagine we meet Jay-Z. And then like literally 10 minutes later, we're in Tribeca. We stop at a corner and Jay-Z pulls up in the volume three Jeep with no doors, the yeah. silver Jeep. And, and we were right, right after a screening with Reem, Sundos, and Dam, and Shadia. Yeah, we were after a screening for Slingshot Hip Hop, and I had my suitcase of, of, of the merch. merch yeah. Right? So I remember everything going in slow motion, like, and I go, oh my God, it's Jay Z. Yeah, and I froze. I, I did not take a photo. I had a perfect you, camera. You did take photos, but. Of your of other feet, shit. dogs, street, <laughs> and stuff like that. I remember Mahmoud from Dam was also like frozen. Shadia just like looked like this while Reem <laughs> was just yelling and saying, yo, it's Jay-Z. And then Tamer just will go into Jay-Z, taking the selfie, and you're just taking photos of the floor. And I'm struggling, just stopped in the middle of the road, threw my suitcases out, and I was like, pull the CD out. trying to pull the CD. I was like, <laughs> I'm hoping it would be a CD or something, because I didn't know it got stuck, you know, like always. And everybody's running in slow-mo around me while I'm like, <sighs> it was amazing. And then I got in, and I got dedication, Dam's album. And that's what I gave him. And it was actually nice of him because the light turned green and he didn't go he waited for me to come and like Give see. I was like yo check it out it's a Palestinian hip hop, hip -hop. dedication album his security guard hopped out he was like chill chill yeah. these my people yeah, yeah. Um, but long story to say that we were <laughs> we were meeting at this point in history yeah. where Arab hip hop was becoming uh, larger than just like these pockets we were becoming a community yeah um and, and it was a very magical moment, but it was also a bit too early, I think, in general for the world to accept outside of our community, even within our communities, to accept what we were doing as a viable form of communication. We, did, we also didn't have tools like today. We, yeah. It was pre-Facebook. It was pre-Facebook, pre-YouTube, yeah. pre-Spotify uh, pre and all these like DSPs that we put our music out on. So like it, we were still CD hand-to-hand. -hand. Yeah. And... Towards the, the end of that era, I would say, which is like 2007, 2008, 2009, um, we were already like 10 years into it. And at that point when we were hanging out, I could tell that you were kind of shifting out of music and getting more into visual work um, uh, that was still like adjacent to music, but you, you kind of didn't want to be a musician as much. Can you tell me why that is? Like what was the feeling that you were having after touring and being a Palestinian artist, being put on this pedestal when you would go to the West and people would like consume you and you would go back to Lid and come back and go yeah. back to Lid. Yeah. What was the frustration that you were feeling around, around music at that time? Um, 
I always wanted to empower my skills in filmmaking and motion graphic design. That's why, like, a lot of the times while we'd be touring, I would be, I would be working on animation to project in the back that would be translation of our lyrics. Mm. Um, sometimes we'd be recording in the studio. Tamar Mahmoud would be writing the lyrics to go in and record. I'd be like, oh, there's this thing called After Effects. Let me learn it. And I would be just, like, learning that and not focused on, like, writing and reading and that was a big sign to me it was like what am i doing i'm like i'm focused on on this and you and you and the shift here you mentioned is actually totally right and it was during those years mm. where you could see me like working less on melodies not really writing lyrics and like okay i have this idea of a script i have this idea of visual shit i have this idea and I was like, okay maybe we could do this i heard about this social media page maybe we can build marketing plan around mm -hmm. it so i always i think i think it was always there yeah like you were first always strategic time, always first time in the studio was because of camera first time ever because i was filming Tamar. you know it wasn't because i went to the studio to record mm -hmm. so i think it always was a, a thing for me it was always here uh, i think it's just music came just because it was part of of also like who i am i think mm. uh, and Tamar. And then it slowly, I've, I've kept realizing more and more, like, I'm better there. I'm happier there, but also I'm better there, like, as skills. Mm -hmm. I felt like my, my writing skills were just getting weaker while my, my, my more, like, visual or artistic or behind-the-scenes strategy was getting stronger. Look, I think a lot of, a lot of our journeys are, are very much written for us. <laughs> a lot of these, like, signs that we don't notice in the, in the moment... Mm. Uh, end up reflecting on our path and and with you I've always told you this it's always been like I've always observed your growth as a as a person in the music scene and always admired it but I've also seen your your shifts and like why you've shifted so when you went to Spotify you were one of the people responsible for their their diaspora program if you will for, for lack of better yeah, words it was helping Spotify to launch uh, in the region in mm -hmm. the Arab world uh, but my focus was how to build the global Arab hub and strategically how do I shift this industry to the diaspora, but also to the people who like Arabic music and culture, because it's not about just Arabs, it's about also music, you know? Yeah, what, what was it? Like, what was that? Because that's very complicated, as you know, where we're from is so many different, yeah. uh, different cultures within yeah. cultures. Yeah. So how how did you research that and build this like infrastructure for uh, yeah. for our community, which you know falls on a lot uh, falls off a lot of people to know that you did that on your own in a way like for our community. There was a group of people for the Latin and the yeah. for the subcontinent, and but you know I was doing the Arab stuff. Yeah. yeah, tell me how you how you started yeah. that program in your mind. You know. The that was actually my last uh, kind of transition of like I'm done with performing, done with recording. I'm out of the studio. I'm 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 here to be behind the scenes or build the strategy for for whoever is on stage. Mm. Um, I remember I was in Palestine uh, doing shooting something called Lit Tent, working with for the PMX team and also recording for Dam's last album, which was Ben Hana Omana. And while there, I got a few calls and emails, and you were one of the people who were like, yo, check out this thing in Spotify, yeah. and you fit, check it out. And then we Because I was like, yo, send this dude, you move to New York? He was <laughs> like, no, I'm not moving to America. I was like, okay, I got to hit my homes. In. <laughs> and then you said that to me, Yeah, right? of course, yeah. Um, 
and then and that that was like the final transition because then I had to be like, yo, I can't be on the album. It will be conflict of interest. So I took myself out of the cover, took myself out of the credit. Mm. But the opening of the album, you'll hear my voice. Yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a solo track in there as well called Brooklyn. Mm. Um, so and then and then I joined Spotify, which was a lot of learning. It was almost three years, and I I loved it. I loved what I built. I loved the vision. I loved how I grew also strategically, and I did a lot of research of basically the research that I did and the things that I wanted to learn while there is where I am now. You know, I, I did a lot of research and a lot of learning from K-pop community, from hip-hop. Mm. I learned how strategically they grew the culture mm. that through the teams that did the K-pop. Uh, I met a lot of like K-pop bands, but also teams of K-pop bands. The Latin team were the people who onboarded me to this role, so I learned so much from them and, and worked a lot, uh, watched them working a lot on a lot of amazing projects. Um, same with Afropop culture and what's happening right now. I, I saw that in early stages. Mm. So my research was always, uh, and the, the strategy that I built there was, okay, like if this worked this way, this worked this way, how would it work for us? And I always like, you know, I'm foodie, I love food, right? And I always like to look at music <laughs> as an, in a food perspective first, wow. before, before anything, like before so what, music. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I, I feel like That's so taco, taco came in way before reggaeton came in. Yeah, right? oh, you mean like the, the, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the cuisine of the culture. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like hummus has now been everywhere. Oh, hummus is, yeah. We know, we it's, know. it's hard everywhere. Like, yeah. okay, so now so we're Adam's, coming. We're coming. Right? <laughs> that, that's how I see it, right? That's from a cultural perspective, cuisine comes first, the music comes second. From a tech, it's like, okay, tech is gaming first and then music is second. And, and we've already been, I feel like, dominating kind of the, the gaming area. Mm. So music is coming and then our cuisine has been like, now yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. Everybody, everybody's trying to steal the credit for it as well. You know what I mean? So, <coughs> and, uh, so I feel the music was there. So I was researching this kind of things as well. But also I was researching numbers and the history of why there are this, this type of diaspora there. And things like that. You yeah, know, like yeah, people, yeah. I'm, I'm still shocked that there's like... Not shocked. Unfortunately, history, you know, with our uh, with our political climate uh, change that is happening in the world, there's so many Iraqis in, in Canada, for example, so U.S. or Europe. And walking in Sweden, you hear Arabic right now. A lot yeah, of yeah. Syrians. Yeah, we're there. everywhere. Yeah. Germany, like, you know, like if you look at Brazil, there are more Lebanese in Brazil than in Lebanon. Like double the number. Mm. If it's seven million, I think Lebanon, then it's fifteen million in Brazil. Mm. In Chile, there's so many Palestinians. So all, all, all of the, like Mexico, even cuisine. Back to the cuisine. Like El Pastor is actually shawarma immigrants who like mixed it up together. Yeah, the chili yeah. green sauce is a da'a. So it's like it's all all this like mixed cultures and the cuisine, all of that. I had to research it and I enjoyed it because I learned so much from it. Right? Mm. man, I'm hungry. Sorry, me too. Um, but but that's how I built my. That's strategically, I was looking at it in that perspective and like more. Is open that just an excuse for you to go to eat? eat. That's the, one. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but also, if you if you look at the numbers these days, and it's it's actually that strategy or the plan that I was building. If you look at your numbers or the analytics of a lot of the artists today, uh -huh. you would see all those references that I gave are 
this is probably your top five artists. Yeah, yeah. G- audience, sorry, listeners. If it's Germany, you probably see Indonesia or t- some of the top yeah. uh, countries that are streaming this kind of uh, music. No, definitely. So, like the, 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 the pointers that I learned from you in that, in that time. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very niche artist. So, like, the, the, the things that you made me think about, not only while making the music, but um, also how to strategically push my music. It really helped me understand my audience more, which is something I was very negligent to because I'm from this like uh, CD handing era, the digital era. Although I embraced it, I, I didn't fully know that I wasn't embracing it properly, you know? Yeah. And then recently you shifted out of that and, and you're at Empire, which yeah. is run by Arabs, yeah. you know, shout out to Ghazi. Yeah. Um, and you, you're in charge of the, the Empire Swana? Wana. Wana? Yeah, I called it Wana. Okay, good, good. Because Swana is like, you know, yeah, black like Swana. It doesn't feel I right. I don't like I, don't I, like, I, I, like, I like terminology and I like things to flow. Flow and smoother. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's smoother. Yeah. Um, Wana is West Asia and North Africa. And one of the reasons I didn't want to call it Middle East is because if, if we as Empire want to build something that is more innovative and more futuristic and more independent for our region, for our artists, it shouldn't come, the term of this department shouldn't be a term that was written mm. and came up by a British kingdom kind of thing. If we want to build an independent vision, it has to be like... Separate to what... You get the fuck out of our face. Yeah, 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 yeah. You fucked us up for so long. Let us build our thing our own, yeah. our own way. And I'll go by the map for now. And that's why I just decided to do like no Middle East. This is West Asia, wow. North Africa. You know, as you're somebody that we came up in the same era, as I said. So the way we view industry is, is directly tied to colonialism. Like the, there is a similar, um, it's, it's a similar kind of architecture, right? The way that culture is treated within industry is very exploitative, just as colonialism was exploitative to culture. And this is a deep-seated problem in the music industry, in the film industry, that our narratives don't come out directly from our mouths without being um, uh, tailored for an audience or for a producer or a production house, right? So in this situation with Empire Wana, you have a huge responsibility in your hands that is to, as you said, shape the story directly from our mouths, right? And to challenge the spaces of music industry within a model such as Empire, which started off as a, as a, a kind of like an independent distro and it's still independent in its model, but it's become a major in a sense, in the sense of like who they carry are, are major artists, right? So what is your, if you were to give me a mission statement for Empire Wana, what would you say it is? Like, what is your, your, ultimate goal with this program that you're creating now the shorter sentence yeah, i would yeah. say build more empires mm. and when i say that is that to to build an industry you know i'll, I'll you know i'll go back to the latin example since i said we're going check. back to tacos we're going to tacos, back exactly. to tacos now? okay I'll, I'll give the latin culture or the latin music and ragaton of where what it is today because where what it's been last year was the first time that a latin artist was top most streamed artists globally at Spotify, right? That, that didn't happen before. Mm-hmm. How did this get to this point? So first, yeah, cuisine, culture, right? Mm. But also more players around the industry. Mm. And there's a song that can, that can drive break an artist. Yeah. An art, a song that can break an artist. 
that can break more artists, that can break more teams, that can break more industry people mm. that will be behind the scenes to support all these new artists coming, mm. Mm. that will drive the culture, that will drive the new genre, that will drive the industry that we've been working on building for so long. Mm. And how do you do that really? You have to go back to the base of like, okay, you need more partners on the ground. You need to scale those partners on the ground. Mm. A lot of the labels that's happening today, their A&R tool is TikTok, and it's not just going to the ground and being like, touching the artists, me, yeah. Yeah, what, what are you trying to build? You're trying to build a label? Cool, what's missing for you to build a label? Hiring people is gonna cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars? Let me provide these tools to you and help you build your own label, build your own vision, help you with that, and it's not gonna be it's gonna be you building it. It's mm. you building your own empire. Mm. We're just giving you the infrastructure around it. Mm. And that, that's the vision of how do we have more of all of us around, behind the scenes, on, on stage, everywhere. Nice. And, we'll get, and, and if you look at K-pop, it's kind of like this, because K-pop really was first time aired on TV in Korea in the 80s, I think, or 90s, late, late, early 90s or late 80s for the first time. But we only heard about K-pop in the yeah, last five the, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you look at one of the reasons why it really broke is a lot of those people that were in the 80s and 90s are now are the people that are behind the scenes. Mm. A lot of a lot of the first actually bands that performed on stage and on TV are now running what is the in the background. Labels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gum Gum style, Gum Gum style, which is maybe a silly song, but it helped shift yeah, of course. a lot of things. Of course. Yeah. So how do you how do you get to that point? So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be just the same, like people uh, who were on stage and now they're behind the scene because they felt the gap. Yeah. They know what's missing. Yeah. They felt it on the, the we say in Arabic, right? which ask, ask the person that went through it and not the doctor. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, ask the, ask the patient, not the doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I so, mean, it, it isn't one thing that breaks a culture into no, the mainstream. It's going to be a lot. If of you us. look, if you look at where we're at now as Arabs and mainstream, um, in the mainstream story, you know what I've noticed about North America and the way they accept culture is like it's one at a time. Yeah. You know, you had the South Asian community yeah. breakthrough in America, and then you had Egypt breakthrough through Rami Malik and and Rami yeah, Youssef in shows. a different way and through the yep. TV shows. And now you have someone like Mo Amr who's breaking the Palestinian yep. voice in a very American, yep. like a very, a very like in the country way. Yep. And that's how that's how North America. Ex- I, have, <laughs> I have to go back to food. So <laughs> this is the burrito strategy. No, it's see. not the taco strategy. It's the burrito strategy because burrito is Mexican <laughs> yeah, American you, cuisine. I right? really love you, bro. You're hilarious. <laughs> so burrito. Why? Tell me why burrito, not I'll taco. Why, is it because it's wrapped up and it's warmed up, or no? Because burrito is a more an American thing. It's mm. it's not Mexico didn't have burrito. It had tacos and things that look like it, but American made the burrito. Localized it and made it more mm. American. So how do we do our own? Shawarma burrito. Something, yeah. Falafel burrito. Hummus burrito. You know, vegan vegan shawarma has been a hit lately. You know, there's a lot a lot of those. So um if we if we just circle back to Palestine, we started with Palestine, but I think it's important to always ground ourselves back to where we're from. Um mo- most recently uh we witnessed an ag- an aggression on the ground in, in um in Palestine, what was done to Gaza, but also all around the country, it seemed as though the violence towards Palestinians was turned up even more. Not that it ever was switched off, but 
the 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 public perception of Palestine changed this time around. I think more than ever, and it still needs a lot of work in order for people to humanize Palestinians more than they 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 slightly do now. Um, what do you think our role is in the diaspora um, to further this? You know, one thing that I did was the Musicians for Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of artists that signed this list. I was part of the team that put that together. And I remember contacting you saying like, do you think this is something that's going to work or is it just another uh, thing that we signed that goes nowhere? But it actually grew into something bigger than than I thought it would. Outside of these kind of actions, as people who are who are executives now and then and then culture movers, what can we do to further bring Palestine into public consciousness as a as a human rights issue yeah well you know it's it's a lot of pieces a lot of puzzle pieces uh, for the final picture that we're all trying to build Mm. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of players that will will get us there Mm. and it's happening it is always you know i I read something once that says like in every protest or in every fight or in every revolution you lose a lot but you go a few steps forward Mm. Um, but i'm glad you mentioned the diaspora i think the diaspora is going to be an important player and not, not, not to go, I won't go far, but you can build a country through diaspora yeah. without bringing your colonialist mentality you learned in the diaspora if you do it in the right way. I read some, some research recently about the, the Desi diaspora. Mm. And there is in January, I hope I'm not wrong, in January there's a whole meeting that happens in India where people from all around the diaspora go there and meet and they do all kind of all kind of project and that's one of the reasons why it helped uplifting and take the economy a bit up. Mm. So how do we do this kind of things? Yes, the project that you mentioned is one thing, but also we need more execs behind the scene working on the project. It doesn't all has to be protest. It doesn't have yeah, to be all yeah. activists. It's good to have that, but it's also good to have people who are shifting things, building building other things that representing the culture but not in your face we, you need it all at this point you know yeah, we're, yeah. we're all activists without shouting that we're activists if you look at what we're trying to all build or, or get to amazing so hey i love you bro i love you too man it's the iraqa from the show i'm your brother narcy too yeah. next week we got a special guest peace <laughs> Listen, man. You get the Nars face, belligerent heart rate, religious at heart, race, militant talk face, I'm ill of the Part Saravan, Yashamavan, heavy though I lost weight, this Ramavan, and Demon Yasin, I'm feeling mad for it, cause you next fam, Adam X clan, sand glorious, I crumble peace like white clans in Europe, our stands enormous, all we really see is violence and torment, Mike stands in torment. بدلت الشرايين كوابل شبكة كل فلسطين تحط فيها دم اكتر من افلام ترنزيل مين هون ثابت غيري قلبه بيه حارق فور معلق عليه افتال البيه دجاج عاطر فيش عندكم بيه الواقع قبيح وبقلبي نكت الارض مش قريبة عليك مع كل
هاد عايش عن ركب قولي شو اسم الأغنية زعني الشعب العربي سميها قلبي وزعني الزعم العربي كلبي قلبي موجود وين ما اهلك وين ما مولود وين ما الذكريات تطوف عندي تعشيوف عندي محبة للموسيقى لأول حفلة لأول وحدة تطلب خدمة محمود نعم ممكن ختمة موجود في بلد فيها الحطة مش موضة بل أسلوب فيه بقول للأعداء انتو هون موضة في قلبي بدو في نغمات وبمر لحام فكل اللي ضل حول سمعات وأقول رأسني يا عم